What is going on, guys? Scuba Steve here with the third episode of Somewhat Supernatural. And today we will be talking about Australian hauntings and legends with our very special guest host, the one, the only, Brody Cunt Kane, all the way from the land down under. How you doing, Brody? <laughs> I'm doing well, brother. How about yourself? I'll do a good man. Just, uh, you know, excited to, to talk to you about, you know, other hauntings other than what I know here specifically in the United States, you know, because every part of the world has their history, their legends. And, you know, Australia, if you look at the history of Australia and the way Australia became a country, you know, it's, it's very violent. So, you know, I would love to eventually do a paranormal investigation at some point in my life in Australia, because there's no doubt in my mind that one day I will be there and I'm going to get some good stuff, you know? So um, I'm very excited for this episode. I'm very excited to have you here. Um, so go ahead and let the people of Somewhat Supernatural know, those that don't know you, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Well, yeah. Um, well, obviously, I'm good friends with the Gore Moore boys. Um, and it's, oh, well, thanks for having me here for a start. It's good to be here. Um, love the show. Um, but, and, and um, just, I love everything about paranormal and um, these experiences that people have, um, love to hear their stories. Um, and I find that when you have something that actually happens to you in real life in that category of something paranormal and unexplainable, you sort of find a group of people that you bond with and it, it's, it's good to be here to actually talk about um, Australia's hauntings and that. Like, you know, we, we don't really – get to do much of that stuff down here. Like there's a couple of shows that you watch on TV, but it's it's nothing like um, obviously over in America. Um, but yeah, I would love to probably more so get into doing that stuff, like traveling to places like yourself and um, just, just ghost hunting, you know. Uh, I don't know. There's a feeling that I get just thinking about. It's like it's a bit of an adrenaline rush. I don't know if you get that Definitely. when you go out. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd, I'd love you're to like in a room in pitch black and there's no lights. All you have is your camera or, you know, if you're doing a, a sensory deprivation uh, EVP session, which we like to do, um, yeah. there's you get that adrenaline rush, you know, and, and because you you're basically in the unknown. Yeah, it's a room in a building or you're in a farmhouse or out in a field, you know, where something occurred, where there's been documented, you know, paranormal activity. So you don't know what you're going to catch. You don't know if, Hey, you're going to witness the same thing or something even stronger. And you know, a lot of times you don't get anything, you know, but it's, it's all a waiting game, you know? So it, it it's, it's something that I suggest a lot of people to do, you know, uh, but do your research first. Don't just buy equipment and go because a yeah. lot of people make that mistake and they think just because, you know, Oh, well I have a, a EMF reader and I have my little voice recorder. I'm going to go ghost hunting. It's not how it works. You have to know how to, you know, how to properly use the equipment and know what you're looking for. Um, because a lot of times, you know, these amateurs will get their EMF reader and they're in a room and it's, you know, spiking, it's going off, you know, just like, if you know, you, you play phasmophobia as I do. Mm -hmm. So, you know how the EMF reader works, but in real life, if there's any electrical source around, it'll make it go off, you know? So a lot of yeah. times, you know, we'll freak out because we're like, Oh my God, it's going off. But, I'm getting a text message in my cell phone that's sitting on the de on the table and it makes it go off, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a huge adrenaline rush. Um, especially when you catch things that you didn't suspect, you know, expect of catching, you know, we, we go live on Facebook a lot in our investigations and multiple things have shown up on Facebook that weren't in front of us, you know? So that's why we like to go live on Facebook as well, because it, it gives you guys a chance too to see stuff that we didn't see, you know, because if we're recording on our cameras, but we have our, our phone cameras recording on live. We're not going to pay attention to both, you know? And if you guys see something in the background that we didn't see, it's great because then everybody saw it and we all witnessed it together, you know? Yep. Yeah. So um, have you ever had any paranormal experiences in your life? Yes. Um, well, I've, I've had one and it's, um, Definitely, uh, you know, it's 
when you try and explain it to people, um, it's definitely like you can't really you can explain the events, but you can't really explain the feeling. It's like yep. frustrating and confusion. That's that's what I feel flutters over me trying to explain it. Um, I did have once. Um, so I was working basically at this um, Hamilton Alexandra College, um, and I was yeah I was working there one day, and I was asked by a bloke who was also working there to see if I wanted to go and have a look inside this tower. So basically the tower, it's a clock tower that's at the Hamilton College. And the backstory is that uh, back uh, in 18, oh, mate, no, it was, I think it was 19, geez, was it 1960? It was in the 1900s, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And according to the tale, um, there uh there was a teacher there called mary esther and apparently she fell pregnant with uh the principal's child and they were having an affair and um after which he left her by herself and she supposedly hanged herself from the clock tower in despair now story goes that she still haunts the campus in anger um well, there's all these stories behind it. So I went in to the clock tower knowing knowing all of these little facts and details. Yep. So, yeah, I went inside the tower. Um, so I went in there, climbed the steps, and it definitely felt an eerie presence as I reached the top. It, you know, it was just something was, was just off. I felt, yeah, different. Anyway, I was looking around and I decided to, like, look up and see directly above my head on a wooden pillar, a rope tied to it that had been snapped off. And that's, yeah, no joke. And, and I remember just staring at it thinking, you have to get the fuck out of here now. And never ever in my life have I been creeped out like that before. Yeah. So now I, I know this sounds like something out of a movie, but I swear to the day that I died that this actually happened. Like I had a dream that same night that I was back inside the building, well, school, sorry, and I was looking down this long corridor that connects to the staff room, which also connects to the clock tower. And what I saw was like a silhouetted woman in a black dress standing there, like half in the door and half looking at me. And then in my dream, I proceeded to enter from like into another room and it was the school's theatre room. Like it, it was really weird. I just went from that to that. Yeah. But as I turned around, she sort of flew out at the curtains like screaming and then I sort of woke up in a fright and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Just It's just a dr- bad dream, whatever, nightmare. But literally um, I don't think it was the next night but it was the third night. I remember dreaming that she was now standing in the corner of my room with a smile on her face but I couldn't move and I was struggling to breathe and somehow I woke up and I was covered like in a little bit of sweat, gasping for air. Yep. And then we fast forward like months later, I'd, I'd moved town by then and I had one more dream about it. I've never dreamed about it since, but this involved her standing in the corner of the room again and with that same smile on her face, like, and then in a heartbeat, she was just on top of me, like on, on my chest screaming and I couldn't breathe. But as I woke up, I had one hand on my throat and chest like that. And it had been me doing that to myself. Oh, wow. And I was like, fuck, like, what do I do? And, but then since, since then, yeah, I haven't dreamt about her, but now knowing her story about how she died by hanging herself makes sense into why every time that she was there in my dreams and in the room, I couldn't breathe just like her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, and the other thing was, this is a really weird thing. When I was digging up a little bit of information about her like ages ago, I come across a photo of her and I'd never seen a photo of her before in my life. And I looked at this black and white photo and I was like, that's her. That's exactly the face I saw in my fucking dreams. And I, yeah, I like, I explain this to people like people will probably say I'm talking shit and that's fine by me, but I feel, believe what you want, 
but until you actually experience something like this, it's definitely stays with you forever. And it's an experience that's insanely hard to explain yeah. in the matter of like human emotion. I guess, yeah, the word is confusion, you know, it's just, oh, it's an yeah, intense I mean, feeling. I've, I've experienced, and, and basically what you experienced was a spiritual att- attachment. You know, um, it, it may not have been a very strong, you know, physical attachment because she didn't attack you and show herself and, you know, every day, every day, every day. But from, from the sounds of it, you know, our, our bodies are the biggest notification that there are spirits around us when the hair stands up for no reason. You know, when you get those, those chills for no reason, there's something around, you know, our bodies can pick up energy. So that feeling you were getting up in that tower, she was there, you know, and a lot of times when spirits feel that they affect you, they will attach themselves to you. You know, I've, I've had it happen to me. And for, you know, for three months, this thing would be in my room and the corner of my room would be super dark. And I would wake up completely drenched in sweat. Like if somebody had poured a bucket of water on me, you know? So I understand completely 100%. And, you know, her, her attaching herself to you, but being away from the spot that gave her her energy, you know, that, that final dream that you had of her, you know, where you physically, you know, she may have physically been putting your hand to, to your throat, you know? Um, But she may have used her, you know, last bit of energy that she had being away from there. And, you know, now she's back at the tower, you know, who knows what she's doing with somebody else now, you know, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's intense, you know? And I, I looked up some of the historical facts of, of Hamilton uh, College or Hamilton and Alexandra College. Um, yep. So it's, of course, located in Hamilton, Victoria, Australia. Um, it's associated with the Unteen Church in Australia and it was established in 1871. So, I mean, just that time frame from 1871 to it closed in um, when did it? Oh, no, it's still open now. So, I mean, that's. You know, that's a long time for for stuff to happen, for energy to build up. And um, so I was reading that it teaches all grades from early learning uh, and prep through year 12. It's a co-ed campus and it's got about 425 students from the information that I got online. Um, And it was originally the Hamilton Western District Boys College and it became a co-ed in 1962. Um, so as you said, you know, with, with the, uh, the urban legend that surrounds the school, um, the resident ghost who presents herself, uh, is, is of course, Mary Esther, um, who was said to have been a teacher who had an affair with the principal in the early 1900s and she felt pregnant and hanged herself, you know? So that despair that, that she took with her when she died, that kind of energy stays around. You know, yep. it's not something that just goes away because we're gone, especially if she felt like she had unfinished business, you know, especially with her killing herself the way she did. Um, and then I read, too, that the school's rowing club, they have a boat named after her in her honor, which which is kind of a good way to, you know, honor her and keep her kind of, you know, Yep. Satisfied Absolutely. per se to, to keep her, you know, from from hurting anybody. Um, and also on a non-paranormal side note, I did throw this in the notes, non-paranormal side notes. There's a rumor of a tunnel running between the secondary campus and the old Alexandra College campus, which is now the Alexandra House. Um, although it says there's no evidence it, that has been found. It is said that they were dug during the Second World War after the bombing of Darwin as a shelter for the students. So. There may be tunnels under there. Who knows who's living under there or what's under there, you know? Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's a really cool story, man. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's it's more than just a story, you know? And, and that's why I wanted to start this podcast. Was, like I said in the first episode, everybody has had some kind of paranormal experience, you know? And so I love that we get to come out here and let people, you know, tell their stories and, and get the word out there because somebody may see this that thinks maybe, well, man, it's only happened to me, you know, and yeah. they're hearing you, they're going to hear you talk about, you know, how it did the same thing to you. And, oh man, it happened to me too, you know? So that's a, that's a, 
it's a really cool little story to tell because you you never know who has experienced the same thing you know yeah absolutely i've had um what you tell that to like certain people and um i think they they try and keep a straight face but you 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 know that they're just probably thinking you know he's talking a bit of talking a bit of rot but um you know yeah i i feel that it's good to actually talk about it you know get it off your chest um because it's definitely like a terrifying experience. Like it actually sort of, it, it'll stick with me to the end of days. Like oh, yeah, I still, the, I still think about it and I feel like talking about it. I think others should talk about it. Like it's what you believe at the end of the day. Don't listen to anyone else. Like if they think you're talking shit, who cares? Like just talk about it, you know? It's exactly. Because you know what you experienced, you were there, they weren't there, you know? So That's the right. non-believers can keep, you know, non-believing, but eventually, one day most of us experience something that we can't explain you know um so i and the links that you sent me because i was clueless to anything Mm -hmm. that you know you guys had going on down there you know paranormal wise uh we came across this 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 tale this legend that i had no idea originated (laughs) in australia you know and reading through i mean and it was a lot to read like this this i i kind of just kind of oh. you know dumbed it down just a little bit but it's still pretty long and this is yeah. this will probably be the longest one that we have um but it was a very very you know great read you know the, the tale of matilda dixon and the curse of the port fairy so yeah yeah it, it, it's definitely um it, it hit me for six when i heard about it because we would spend most of our holidays in Port Ferry and, you know, it, it's a nice little town um, in Victoria, right near, well, it's on the beach. You go there for the beach really. But in saying that, I remember me and my mates used to love watching this horror film, Darkness Falls. And then one of our mates was like, you need to check the special features on this. It's got a documentary about Port Ferry. We're like, oh, it must be Port Ferry in America. And they're like, no, it's Victoria. So in watching this, it's basically, yeah, the legend of Matilda Dixon, who was also known as the Tooth Fairy. So what she would do is, well, supposedly her husband died in 1863 and um, she longed for her husband and tried to find ways to re- reconnect with him, you know, which led her down a dark path. So she would use teeth of children to make a bridge to reach out to him, you know, a bit, a bit like, yeah, I, I don't know what you would, what would you call that? Would it be a bit of black magic? Is uh, that, you know? Yeah, I mean, depending on what she was using the teeth, like what deity or what, you know, it, it depends. It could have been white magic it could have been black magic you know or just straight up witchcraft uh it is really without having really you know actual facts we really don't know it's all speculation just like the town speculated you know that she was doing these you know evil rituals and stuff when in fact i mean it's it's really a love story you know she lost her husband you know and his his ship you know it was lost at sea and so that's all she wanted she just wanted to talk to her husband again you know and so she found a way we don't know how how she even got the idea that the baby teeth would help her build that kind of bridge but she found a way to talk to him and for all intents and purposes she did she talked to him you know she would get the teeth and do her little thing and that's how she was able to you know comfort herself from being, you know, so miserable without him there. And so she would make treats, you know, whether it was like little pies or muffins or whatever she would make. And she would trade them to the children and get their teeth. And so, you know, I mean, and what little kid doesn't want something sweet after, you know, losing their teeth, you know? So there was nothing really horrible behind her motives you know she wasn't trying to hurt the kids she wasn't you know she wasn't murdering these kids to take their teeth you know yeah so it's just uh 
it's just interesting the way that the town ended up seeing it and what occurred, you know? Yeah. And uh, especially like after that fire broke through her home and like badly scarred her, like she had to go out at night and um, she, she wanted to keep doing it, but her horrible features um, allowed her to actually go out at night and leave a gold gold coin for teeth on the uh, steps. And where it gets interesting is one day that these two kids went missing. Uh, I don't know if it was for two days, but they, they went missing. And so the town just basically started a lynch mob and they grabbed Matilda Dixon and took her out to a tree and hung her. Then literally, I don't know if it was the next day it was or that the, night. No, it was the same night. It was that same night. The same the night. The kids showed back up. So they killed an innocent woman. Um, and then supposedly she had left a curse on the Port Ferry. Um, yeah. With her last words, she cursed She cursed the town with her last words, you know. And and these two kids, I, I want to say from, from what I saw, they were they didn't show back up at home when, when it went dark because they were supposed to go to her house to drop off teeth and they never returned, but they ended up going to the town over and it got dark and their dad was drunk at the tavern and got a posse together and said, Hey, she killed my kids. My kids never showed up from, you know, going to her house. Let's do this. And they, like you said, they, they hung her and they, they, with her last words, she cursed the town. Now, the thing that I find interesting is the way she would go out in the town, you know, because her skin was badly burned. She was burned, you know, head to toe because she had a fire in her kitchen and she didn't want help from anybody in the town. Um, now, I think it was because of what she had going on in her home as far as, you know, what she was using the teeth for. So she didn't want yeah. anybody in there. So she tried to put the fire out herself and she ended up burning, you know, her, her face and her body. So she had a light sensitivity. So that's why she wore the cloaks, but she also wore a porcelain mask to protect yep. her face from the sunlight, you know? Um, so with this being a huge legend, do they have any kind of like statue or anything or any kind of plaque or anything out there, you know, dedicated to her or to her story or anything? No, not, not, not that I know of. Um, I don't think it was a really, well, not to my extent, um, maybe Port Ferry folk know the tale, but um, me going down there and not knowing too much about it until the movie come out, I don't think there's really anything there. Maybe, yeah, people just want to forget it because, like, it's such a grim and dark story, like, um but it would be interesting to see where they buried her because it does say they buried her, but I'm guessing it might be in an unmarked grave yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it was or... totally in an unmarked grave. They didn't put anything up for her. So, I mean, her, she's out there somewhere, you know, um, and that would be interesting to try to find maybe her body and, you know, put it to rest the way, you know, in a proper burial. Um but this is where the tale of the tooth fairy came from. You know, Matilda Dixon was the original tooth fairy. Um, and it's nothing like the tooth fairy we have now. You know, the kids go to bed and, you know, they get their little dollars under their pillows and stuff. But I mean, it, it, it had a wholesome start. You know, she didn't, like I said, she, she wasn't trying to hurt anybody. She, she wanted to keep to herself. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's every town has that one creepy person that you know is a witch or you know or something you know and it's just uh th this one was very interesting to me especially with you know wanting to know if you know if if like you know like the mothman they have they have the uh the monument to the mothman in in uh oh hell i don't even remember the name of it now but they have you know the <laughs> statue and stuff there so it, yeah. it, I just, you know, it, it'd be kind of cool if they did something, you know, even though it's a horrible tale, just to kind of put out there, hey, you know, yes, this occurred, we fucked up, you know, yeah, yeah, but, you know, and moving forward, you know, it, I think it's a good tale of of don't judge a book by its cover.
you know. Exactly. Um, and I reckon if the movie had a game more more of an audience and more positive reviews, they probably would have done something about it as bragging rights, you know, yeah, like, definitely. oh, that was based here. But at this stage, there is nothing. Um, I remember on the documentary they asked um, a few people at the pub and they actually knew the story. So, you know, a lot of Port Ferry folk probably, as I said, do know the story. Um, it's just the out-of-towners that wouldn't unless you watch the movie. So, yeah. Or unless you watch this podcast. Hey, I like <laughs> it. They, sh- they really should do a um, period piece on this story. I think it's exactly what you said. It's a, it's a love story for all the wrong reasons. You know, yeah. I think it would make a great period piece story. Um, might have to pitch it. Might have to pitch it. Oh, hey, pitch it to Netflix. Maybe we can get it on a uh, season three of uh haunting of, we'll get the haunting of port of, you know, Port Ferry. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, they did it with Blind Manor. They gave us a love story there. You know, this That's one could right. be a little bit. This one could be a little bit more. You know, <laughs> supernatural. Hell yeah. You know? But yeah, I mean, and it's just when I was reading it, darkness falls just kept popping into my head because that yeah. you know, with the sensitivity, the light that she had in the film, and, and you know, just that, I was like, oh wow, like this is. And then I kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. I was like, holy crap, this is this is Darkness Falls. This is where they got Darkness Falls from. So that was a really cool. And this one, having, you know, the 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 story out there, we know that this occurred. It's not just an urban legend. It's not just something that that was made up. The Tooth Fairy was real. Now, the yep. supernatural aspect of it, eh, not so much, you know. But as far as her using her you know, whether it was witchcraft or, you know, white magic or whatever it was to, you know, speak to, to somebody that has passed on. That's what makes this a supernatural tale, you know, and and that's why I'm glad you included it when, uh, when you sent me the links. So on to the next topic, which was a very special request for TJ (laughs) Bowser. He, uh, he, uh, he had already, uh, requested this when we first started talking about the show like way before before we had even had set date for the for the ship first show he was like you have to do something about the yaoi and i'm like what the hell is the yaoi i had never heard of the yaoi never you know never even thought that hey australia may have its own bigfoot but of course why not every damn country has their own bigfoot so what do you know about the yaoi well to be honest with you, I always just thought the Yowie was basically Australia's version uh, to the American Yeti, you know. I honestly don't really know much about it other than the fact that it's more so located um, in parts of Queensland, you know, and um, maybe maybe New South Wales. I think there's been reports up there like Sydney and that. But, yeah, basically the only thing that I really know about it is that it's just – another term for Bigfoot, but in, in Australia, um, just a giant hairy creature that roams the forest and not, yeah, well, there's supposedly been sightings and that. So um, until I see one, hopefully I get to see one one day. So, yeah, um, but we've got some facts here. Like even in the 19th century, like um, they, was it, 19, uh, 1870s, accounts of Indigenous apes appeared in the Australian town, you know, uh, and Country Journal to, you know, 1876 asked readers who has not heard, you know, from the early settlement of the colony. You know, um, a lot of them, what they, I think they called it the Yahoo Devil Devil. Yeah. <laughs> or Harry or the Man, of, man the of the Woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's it's there's a lot of you know sightings. You know, I I, I looked and and there there's been a lot of sightings. I saw a picture that was supposed to show the Yowie, and it was from a far distance. And I zoomed in. I really couldn't make yeah. anything out, but it's just like Bigfoot. You know, um, we get our pictures, and you know they're they're kind of grainy, and you know you can't really make it out. But could it be a Bigfoot? Yeah. You know, but on this picture that I saw of the Yowie, it um, it I couldn't make anything out. So if there was something there that they saw with their eye, then I mean, hey, they saw it. I'm not going to take that away from them, you know. But I didn't That's see true. anything in the picture. Um, 
So there was uh, the most present day was present day, you know, so from 2010 upwards or, you know, even back in the 70s, whatever, um, not in the 1800s. Uh, in 2010, a Cabrera man said he saw an animal described as a juvenile covered in hair with long arms that almost touched the ground and it was in his garage. So a friend told him, hey, it could have been a yaoi or it could have been a kid <laughs> that, you know, needed a haircut or something. That's but right. It could have been a yaoi. Now, another thing that I did see was the way the yaoi was originally described. It also could have been something called a, a bunyip, I think is that's have you ever heard of that that term? Oh, uh, yeah. So I think bunyip's basically a um water creature. It lives lives near the billabongs. So a billabong is sort of like a swamp river. Um but they yeah, I think also, uh, Bunyip is an Aboriginal term uh, for that monster. So that that's an Aboriginal mythological urban legend. Um, but, yeah, I think they've been compared. I don't know why they've been compared as a Yowie and a Bunyip because they look nothing alike in their photos. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, I would love to see a Yowie, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would probably try and make conversation with it, to be honest. And it just turns out to be a drunk Australian roaming the forest. <laughs> <laughs> He's been missing for a long time, hiding in the fucking forest. And, you know, he came out for some conversation and some beer. That's that's about it. Yeah, a bit of bit of uh, methylated spirits of some sort. Um, yeah, sighting, it, the sightings in New South Wales, um, which you did mention, uh, there were sightings in 1977, 1994. 96, 2000, 2011, 2012, and 2013. Um, and the 2013 one uh, was said to have been caught by um, his, his, it was a Lismore resident, and uh, he was a music videographer, and he claimed that he saw one just north of uh, Bexhill. I don't, I don't want to mispronounce it. I don't, but that's where he said that, you know, he saw one. So it's, it's, it's documented, you know, just just like Bigfoot cases here are documented. So this could be something that is that missing link, you know. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. But um, oh, even like um, there, there's a thing here. It says in May 2012, a United States television crew claimed it had recorded audio of a yowie in a remote region in the New South Wales Queensland border. So even, even that there by itself is pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in audio, especially when you're out recording something, that audio picks up really good, especially if you have a great microphone. And if it was, you know, a television crew, I, it doesn't say what – it didn't say what show was filming. Um, but, you know, we've caught some great things on our handheld cams when we're out doing investigations, you know. We caught a, a couple of times, you know, we're out in – we, we, it's this plantation house that we used to go to. It burned down now, but you know, the concrete's still there. So just because the house is gone, we still like to go back. And because just because the house is gone, doesn't mean the spirits are gone. Um, and we actually got some really good solid evidence this last time that we went and we were recording and we didn't hear it with our ears at all. And when we played it back, it sounded like, something crying you know it could have been coyotes but you can hear coyotes with your with your ear so i enhanced it on my computer and listened to it more and it's legit sounds like if somebody was crying and it was it, it gave me chills i was like whoa so you know even growls and stuff like that we've caught growls uh when we did the investigation at the uh martha chapel cemetery which is one of the most haunted cemeteries in the state of texas we caught something on camera that we could not explain. And this was in the daytime. So this cemetery is literally in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around it except woods. That's it. And as our, our rookie is filming, he catches something. He's like, guys, there's something in the trees. And two of our other guys were going around to actually go walk in the woods. And at the time that Joe caught this face, on camera the guys heard a growl and they picked it up on 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 audio and it would we went back and we watched it and we were like no way 
And so I'm walking because I'm oblivious to what's going on. I was setting up a camera, you know, on the other side of the cemetery so we could get a good view of the camera and or of the cemetery. And I'm walking. I'm like, hey, where's Joe? And he has his camera like this. And he just kind of moves over and goes right back just to show me where he's at. And so in the video, you see the camera move a little bit and it goes right back to the same spot. And it's not there anymore. You cannot see this face. I'll send it to you over Facebook Messenger so you can see what I'm talking about, because it's. It is insane. Like, and with the growl at the same time, we were like, whoa, this is some kind of entity that was in the trees. And this thing was had to have been about maybe 10 or 12 feet up in the trees. Uh, because we had, you know, our, our other guy, Mike, he went out there and he's, you know, six four, six five, and it was, you know, up in the trees way above from where he was standing. You know, I had him go stand exactly where I where we saw it in the video. And so Audio is a great thing to have, especially if you're, you know, you're doing an investigation or something. You always want to have, you know, your voice recorder. Or just ha- listen to the audio on your camera or enhanced when you can, you know. Um, Hell yeah. I would love yeah. to see that. I would, yeah, I would I'll send very it to you. much. I'll send it to you. It is, it, is, yeah. it is intense. And you see it looks like a white skull face. And honestly, it looks yeah. like something from an anime because you see it in the trees kind of just like crouching. And you see this white sunken in kind of features and it's gone. Yeah. No, and the trees that. don't rustle. You don't hear anything like, but that, and that was all that we got that day at the cemetery. Um, I still haven't gone over all of the evidence that, you know, that we have, but anything that we witnessed with our, I mean, that was it, you know, because when we were there at night, it just felt calm and peaceful and yep. it really didn't, it didn't live up to the hype that we had seen, you know, with, with demons attacking and this and that. And so we were just yeah. kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. At least we got that. That was good. You know, that's good, solid evidence that there's something here. That's right. So, you know, and, and the Yowie, back to the topic at hand, the Yowie, it, it, it isn't necessarily a supernatural thing, um, you know, because it could just be, like you said, some drunken guy that got lost in the woods or something or, you know. <laughs> Or, or some family that that's been off the map for centuries and has been inbreeding for years and years and years. And, you know, yep. but then it, like I said, it could be the missing link, just like Bigfoot, you know, that's right. But so, I, yeah. I, I feel like um, if, if there is a Yowie out there, that's a story that I'm hoping that it's just someone like maybe that's a mountain man that's been lost for years in breeding with, I don't know, whoever, and just come yeah. across him and actually have a conversation with him and not attack me and kill me. Yeah, you know, it could be like yeah. wrong, wrong turn or, or hills have eyes except not violent. <laughs> yeah. Not violent. Just, and hairy and hairy. That's right, yeah. Just have a drink with us, mate. You'd be right. Have a few beers, <laughs> have a few froths. So yeah. in Queensland – the Springbrook region in the southeast Queensland has had more Yowie reports than anywhere in Australia. In 1977, former Queensland Senator Bill O'Chee reported to the Gold Coast Bulletin he had seen a Yowie while on a school trip in Springbrook. O'Chee compared the creature he saw to the character Chewbacca from Star Wars. He reports that the creature he saw had been over three meters tall. So... I mean, and that's that's basically the same description that we get when people talk about Bigfoot or, you know, the Yeti in China, except, you know, that's white, you know, because he lives in the Alps or, you know, whatever. Um, But I mean, there's even tales in South America of, you know, a Bigfoot style creature, you know, so these things are all over the world. It's not just here in America or in Canada or in Australia, these things are, you know, they've been seen worldwide. So it, it, it's, it's something that has to exist. We just have to find a way to capture proof, 100% proof that, that it does exist. Uh, so one more thing before we wrap up about the Yowie in March, 2014, two Yowie searchers claimed to have filmed the Yowie in South Queensland using an infrared tree camera. They collected fur samples and found large footprints. Later that year, a jimpy man told media he had encountered yaois on several occasions. 
including conversing with and teaching some English to a very large male Yowie in the bush northeast of Gympie. And several people in Port Douglas claim to have seen Yowies near Mowbray and Rocky Point Range. So I get a very big Harry and the Hendersons vibe from that, <laughs> you know, trying to talk to the, you know, the, the Yowie and, and get it to uh, talk back, which I mean, that'd be cool. You know, I mean, who wouldn't want to say, hey, I had a conversation with a, with, with a beast that isn't supposed to exist. You know, absolutely. And you think in 2014, you'd have a um, at least a camera phone on you, wouldn't you? Just well, okay. Take so that here's, photo? here's my thing on that, and I'm glad you bring that up. So, while at this inv- investigation, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, we went out to the plantation house, and like I said, it had burned down. And while we're looking up in the sky, we see what looks like part of an illuminated power line. Like if maybe a street light was hitting a power line, giving off this orange glow, but it was up in the sky, way above the tree line where it shouldn't have been. And it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And there was no power lines in the general area. We're standing there in awe at what we're seeing up in the sky, thinking that holy crap are we witnessing a ufo or what what the hell is going on you know what is that because i had never seen anything like that none of us had thought to pull out our camera phones we had cameras we had all of our equipment and nobody the four of us that were there none of us thought hey i should get this on camera because you know what i mean so i understand when you're seeing something that's like holy crap you know, you don't always think, oh, let me get my phone out and bust it out, you know, because you're in the moment and you don't want to miss because what if it was a UFO coming in and holy shit, we saw it take off or something, you know, and it just slowly faded away. And what it ended up being was uh, there was a satellite launch or something um, or a test launch for something that Elon Musk had put out or something like that. And so that's what we were seeing everywhere else in texas saw it but it was like these bright white lights but because of where we were at it was just kind of like an orange glow in the you know high up in the sky that we saw so and none of us thought hey pull out our phones it it was you know that's it especially when like that's happening and you just like want to take it all in just be like what Mm -hmm. the hell is this what the hell is this i remember that was like one night i was um walking home from the pub and there was like oh me and a mate and there was like this fucking flame in the sky it was like a fire in the sky i was like and i was just i had a few beers under me belt by then so i was pretty pretty drunk but i just remember just staring at it like in awe like i was like what the fuck and i and as in that moment i didn't bother to pull my phone out but it was a meteor oh no it was yeah an asteroid coming through the earth's atmosphere and me being drunk and my mate being drunk, we just freaked out. We're like, it's the end of the fucking world. Quick run, <laughs> run. Like, what do we do? What do we do? Go crazy. And then, yeah, I remember like reading in the paper that it was an uh, asteroid. But I just wish I had got that on camera. But as the same situation, you just look at it and you're like, whoa, like take it all in. So, yeah. yeah. it's. Um, I remember a couple of times too, I've seen like meteors coming in and, you know, we've – had a lot to drink, you know, after the bar and we're just standing outside in the, you know, in the parking lot of the bar that I work at. And we look up and we saw these four, what looked like, I mean, they were, they were meteors coming down, but the way they look, they look like Saiyan pods coming down from Dragon Ball Z. And oh, we were like, yeah. oh shit, the Saiyans are here. The Saiyans are here. We're fucked. But yeah, that's where we went with it. We went, you know, we went, well, shit, the Saiyans are here. So but yeah, totally understandable about yeah. not pulling the phone out. So you want to talk about the next one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ararat, um, well, Aradale Lunatic Asylum. So that's basically located um, in Ararat, obviously, and that's about maybe one and a half hours from where I used to live. So we've got a lot of weird and paranormal stuff happening around in Victoria where I used to live. So um, basically it's the largest abandoned asylum it, it it opened in 1867 and closed in 1997 but it and, oh, and it had an average 100 deaths per year so 
that's that's not pretty good. I think yeah. all up, it was thirteen thousand deaths in one hundred and thirty years. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's a lot of energy. You know, that's a lot yeah. of people that have been left behind, that have passed away. You know, they they weren't at home, they weren't comfortable. So, anytime I see you know anything about an asylum or a hospital where you know a lot of deaths have occurred. There's no doubt in my mind that there is some kind of paranormal activity going on there, you know, um, and and with this one, the, there is definitely, definitely some some crazy stuff going on there. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've got a little I've got a little story for you. And um, my, I, I didn't go there. I really want to go there. They've just reopened it back up. But my mate went there and he was telling me this little Little fun fact. Well, it's not fun, but it's a little story for you. So basically, with the building, because it's so many levels, like stories. Um, so you got your first story, second story. On the second story, um, the, that that second story had no plumbing, um, which basically led the patients to you know take a leak or throw another log on the fire via bedpan. Yeah. So. It got to the stage where the patients then proceeded to throw like all of this out the window, landing on the first story roof. Now, what happens when the rain comes through? It bloody washes all all of it off the roof straight into the water tanks and drinking supply. This leading into a massive outbreak of typhoid, causing many patients to die. Wow. So the patients were basically killing patients with their feces and urine and i think that's like why what caused like a majority of those deaths in those 130 years there was just a massive outbreak of it through that joint yeah so um that's that's insane man and, and especially with disease like that back in those times you know it, it's it's just I mean, and it was open, like you said, for 130 years and opened in 1867 and then closed in 1997. So that's, I mean, for some people, that's a long time, but it's really not that long ago that, you know, this place was open and still housing patients and staff and stuff. So, yeah, I, I would I would like to hear some of their stories, you know, if there's any staff around too that, you know, because, you know, that they had some kind of experience there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've I've got one mate. Um, I worked on a film with, and he was telling me that he does he, he takes ghost tours there, and he was saying that there's a couple of little things every like here and there that you hear. Um, but he goes, he hasn't really um had anything happen to him yet. He just says like you you hear weird unexplainable things, but nothing physically or he's seen anything like up close but um i think he was telling me a story there was a group and they they make someone go at the front and at the back with candles and there was an old bloke at the back and they went down into this room and all he could smell he could just smell something it was like off something was off and he's asked everyone in his group he's like even the even uh, my mate and, and they're like, we can't smell anything. So there was like little things like that and maybe oh, there was this little kid that was there as well and he was like pulling on his mum's jumper just going, oh, that man over there um, uh, said hello to you or something. And then she's like looking around, she's like, who? And he's like, oh, that, that man in there. And she's like pointing it, oh, sorry, the kid was pointing into the corner of this pitch black room and there was nothing. Well, she couldn't see anything there, but the kid could see someone there and he was saying hello to her. So there was like little stories like that. Um, but yeah. Kids are fucking freaky, man. Kids, if, if a kid comes up to me and says that they see something or they hear something, I believe them 100%. Um, Absolutely. And that goes back to when, you know, I was a kid. I saw tons of shit when I was a kid that I didn't know anybody else saw i didn't know it was stuff i wasn't supposed to be seeing and my brother and my sister also you know because you know we grew up relatively poor we didn't have a lot of money 
So we all slept in the same room and, you know, we had a big old king size bed that three of us slept in and at my grandmother's house, I would always sleep by, you know, on, on the side that wasn't by the wall and my sister would, you know, sleep by the wall and then my brother and then me. Well, I'm asleep. I'm dead asleep. And my sister wakes me up to tell me that there's a boy looking in the doorway inside the house. And I'm like, go to sleep. And she's like, no, there's a boy. He's looking at us. Steven, look. And my brother's like, Steven, he's there. And I don't know that they remember this or not. I remember it because it's, I didn't even look. I did not look. I just said, shut up and go to sleep because I didn't want to see what was there. You know, that, yeah. that's my grandma's house. I don't, I don't want to know if there, you know, if there's a ghost there or anything. And um, another time they saw the same little boy. There used to be a huge tree in front of my grandma's house. And, you know, back in, back in the day, we slept with the windows open, you know, and the neighborhood that we grew up in, it was surrounded by, by cornfields. We lived out, you know, in the country, but it was a neighborhood that was out in the middle, you know, in the country. So we slept with our windows open. It was no big deal. And they saw the same little boy poking his head from around the corner of the tree and they were like, Stephen, there he is again. I'm not looking. I'm going to go to school. <laughs> I am not looking. So anytime a little kid tells me, oh, this or this, or a lot of times when kids have imaginary friends, they're spirits. Yep. You know, that's what I believe. I believe that when a kid has an imaginary friend, they are spirits. So there is no doubt in my mind that that little kid that said, hey, mom, that man's telling you hello, saw a spirit, you know, Absolutely. especially the younger, the younger a kid is, the more innocent that they are. And the more that the world hasn't corrupted their view on things, they are able to see the spirit world more, more openly. That's, that's what I believe. So, yeah. yeah. Did you, did you ever um, do any research on that? Like, did you ever find out if anything ever happened there or? Well, so my uncle, the only thing that I could think of is that my uncle passed away when he was 17. He died in a yep. car accident um, when, when he was 17 years old. So I don't know. It could have been his spirit, you know, manifesting yeah. himself as a younger kid, which is possible, you know, or if because they never described what the boy looked like. They just said there's a boy, you know, yeah. so but I never I never brought it up to my grandma. I never said anything, yeah. you know, but and I do know that in the area where we live, there's an oil pump. And, you know, one of those oil horses. I don't know if y'all have have them there, but I'm sure yeah. you've seen them on TV, those things that go. Yeah. 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 So yeah. back in the day, back when my dad was a kid. So my dad was born in 57. So probably in, you know, the, the, the 60s, 70s, they uh, would go ride that thing. That's what they did for fun, you know. So they would go and climb it and, you know, it'd be pumping and they'd sit there and have a little rodeo and stuff. Well, a kid died. He got caught, his leg got caught, and it tore him in half. So the oil pump, it's out in the field. You know, it's a ways from my grandma's house out in the field, but I don't know that maybe that boy was, you know, maybe a friend of my dad's or, you know, they or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I still think it was my it was my uncle, but there there there's neighborhood stories that that occur and that's one of them you know the the little ghost at that oil pump and i don't even think that oil pump is active anymore it, it may they may have taken it down but i know it was there for a long time and there are some others of uh reports that i have seen um once again when my dad was a teenager one of his friends got hit by a car and died right there walking home from a from his other friend's house and his spirit to this day, if you're just driving, you know, in the middle of the night, you'll see a boy walking on the side of the road. He doesn't hurt you or nothing, but you will see in that she same exact him. spot, just somebody walking. He's wearing a white shirt with jeans, just walking down the street. It's crazy. And, and you look back in your rearview mirror and he's gone, you know, and, and that this is legit. Like this is a, a, a real thing that I have seen with my own eyes. You know, we've all, we yeah. all used to, not joke about it, but we all used to try to go see him when we were teenagers. You know, that was something that, that would try to, you know, okay, well, you know, let's get in your car and let's go drive and see if we can see the ghost or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 
But yeah, um, nothing really malicious ever happened at my grandma. I've had something grab my foot. Something did grab my foot, scared the shit out of me one time when uh, my son had just been born and my ex-wife was laying next to me in bed and she would always rub her foot up against my foot and then she would fall asleep. Uh, It was just her thing. And so I feel something rubbing against my foot and I'm like, okay, whatever. She's awake. I guess she woke up. She's trying to go back to sleep. But then I feel a hand grip around my foot and squeeze and I jump out of bed and I'm like, what the fuck? And I push her and I'm like, did you just grab me with your foot? She's like, what? My feet are over here. And her legs were bent and her feet were facing the wall. And I was like, oh, shit. That, but I think and my, my theory on that is I was giving my grandma a hard time that day. And uh, I think it was my uncle or my grandfather that came and, you know, said, Hey, motherfucker, you're, you're fucking up, you know, you need to treat your grandma better. So I said, okay. But yeah, that's, that's the only scary thing that's ever occurred. You know, we're in the house that I grew up that, that was really like, Holy crap. You know, that, that actually like freaked me out, you know? Yeah. So we do have some other locations. I didn't go into details with them. I just wanted to name them off for, you know, for, for the listeners. There's, um, I, I don't know if you want to read them off because some of these names, I don't want to pronounce them incorrectly. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's okay. You I don't want do to piss, I don't want to piss off any of the Australians. You know, when, <laughs> when I make my way over there, I want them to be happy with me. As, no, as TJ would always say, we're the British Texans. So exactly. I think we're pretty yeah. You're pretty safe, mate. <laughs> so we got Devil's Pool. Even though I can't even say it. Babinda, Queensland. Babinda. Uh, Beechworth Lunatic Asylum in Victoria. So that's that's a pretty big one in Australia. Uh, that's really, I think that's nearly number one most haunted uh, place in Victoria, maybe even Australia. Yeah. Um, Waterfall Sanitarium in New South Wales. Uh, Moy- Moy- Moyeras. Moira's house, yeah, Queensland, uh, the old Melbourne jail, Victoria, uh, old Adelaide jail, South Australia. Yeah, this what, what's this one? Glenside Z Ward for the criminally insane in South Australia. Uh, oh, Port Arthur, Tasmania. Port Arthur, um, that's an interesting one. So down, right down the bottom of Tasmania, I'll just quickly throw this in there. So you got Port Arthur. Arthur, It's got a mental asylum there. But not only does it have a mental asylum, literally a kilometre off, like you've got to get in a boat and you go a kilometre out in the ocean and there's an island. That, I, I don't know what it's called, if it's like the island of the dead or something, but you cannot go on there because there is multiple bodies buried on there. Like it's just an island for buried bodies back whenever. I think I don't know if it had anything to do with the old uh, mental asylum. I've got to really look into it, but all I know is that there's a small, tiny island about a kilometre off it, and it's just full of, like, corpses. And you can't oh, – wow. yeah, you cannot go on there at all. So – just an interesting little fact. If you're going to travel to Tasmania, one day, uh, one day, one day, man. Uh, Monte Cristo. Now, that's in New South Wales. That's that's another one that's huge, hugely well known for uh, being uh, haunted. Uh, multiple sightings there. Um, Gladsville, Gladsville Mental Hospital in New South Wales. Uh, North Head Quarantine Station in New South Wales. Uh, Maitland Jail, New South Wales, Old Helensburg Railway Tunnels, New South Wales. Now, that there has got me thinking that that may be based on the horror movie The Tunnel. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I have not. Uh, it, it was. It's a highly underrated Australian film that flew under the radar. Um, really good ratings, just not many people have seen it. Um, it's basically about a camera crew. So it's a bit like Blair Witch style, camera crew going to the tunnels in, well, under Sydney and obviously get 
more what they bargained for, a bit of supernatural and creatures and that that there. But um, I, I've got a feeling that they've based that movie off that. So might have to look into that one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Maitland Jail, New South Wales. Uh, old, sorry, I'm repeating myself. Hobart Convict Penitentiary in Tasmania. And uh, last but not least, St. John's Orphanage, Goldburn, New South Wales. Awesome. So, you know, with what, what, I, what I started doing last episode, since I, you know, I had my first guest host on there, I like to go back and just real quickly, we'll, we'll list off what we spoke about and we say whether you think it's paranormal or not. All right. So sure. Hamilton, Hamilton and Alexander College, paranormal? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I think absolutely. So and then uh, the legend of Matilda Dixon, is paranormal? I reckon if we dig a little dead, I reckon if we went to the locations and dug deep, we we definitely find something. And I'm yeah. going to say, yeah, two thumbs up for that. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. The Yowie. What do we think about the Yowie? Something somewhat supernatural? Well, as you said, there's got to be something out there. I mean, like every basically every country has their Yowie. Um, um, I, yeah, I think I honestly think there's got to be something there. Whether it is, as we said, a bloke that's just drunk and hairy, but you know, as but I like what you said. Is is it's just got to be something there? It's like a missing link that probably dates back centuries. You know that we haven't found yet. Uh, but as you said, every country's got one at this stage. So I'm going to leave open thoughts and say, yep, at this stage. That's yeah. just me. And, and for me, I'm going to say it is somewhat supernatural because it's yeah. not a ghost. It's not, you know, some some evil entity or something. It is something that could be possibly alive. So I'm just going to go with somewhat supernatural on that one. Yeah. Uh, the Ararat Lunatic Asylum. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you can't tell me that out of those 13,000 deaths that nothing has happened there yeah. over the 130 years that it was open. Um, I'm going to absolutely say, yep, yep. 100%. Yep, 100% supernatural. So once again, I want to thank you so much, Brody, for coming and, and, and you know, entertaining us and entertaining me with these tales from down under. And um, anytime you want to hop on the show, man, let me know, and I will be more than glad to have you back. Dude, I, I love being on the show and thanks for taking the time to actually yeah talk about this stuff. I don't not really many people want to talk to me about Australian um haunting histories and that. So no, it was great to be here, mate. I'm a huge fan of the show and thanks, um, man. appreciate that. I look forward to the next episode. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you once again. Um you want to list off anything that you're doing, any projects that you're working on? You have anything coming up? No, I've, I've been really quiet, mate. Um, I should have really taken the time to actually, you know, do a bit of script writing treatments, you know, but I reckon I'm going to dig a little deeper on this uh, Port Ferry story, you know. I really think that that should be made, even if it is a short film, just a period piece, you know. I, yeah. I feel that, as you said, it's a love story, but make it as a love story for all the wrong reasons, like a gothic, you know, really like yeah, German yeah. expression gothic type yeah. film. So, yeah. Well, if you ever get that done, we can debut it here on Somewhat Supernatural and we'll have a whole segment about yes. it and, you know, we'll we'll do it here, man. Absolutely, dude, yeah. Um, also, I just want to say I'm really looking forward to uh, Cordell, mate. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking so forward to it. So those of you that haven't seen yet, I am working on a Maniac Cop fan film. You probably saw it on Facebook, but you're hearing it now on the podcast. For those of you that don't have me on Facebook, I am working on a Maniac Cop uh, fan film called Cordell. And, you know, it's uh, I'm going to completely ignore episode or, you know, part three, part three for me. It's it's the weaker of in the series. Um I have some pretty cool ideas with, with what I want to do. Uh, I kind of threw around with bringing back Turkle. Um, yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And the person that's going to play him in the movie better, uh, uh, better bring his crazy is all I'm saying. 
So the pressure is on you, mate. And I- yeah, the pressure is on. Pressure is on. So it's gonna it's gonna be cool. You know, I'm still working on the script, and I want to throw out a um, a teaser. I want to try to do it without any crowdfunding. You know, I want to do it myself, and I think this type of film is something that can be done without having any backing. Now, if I come into any issues or anything and, and I need to do the crowdfunding, hey, I'll do the crowdfunding. But I, I want to shoot um, a little teaser of uh, of what I'm going to do for this this little fan film that that I'm going to do. So and it's just going to be something short, you know, just just to get people excited for it. And hopefully I can pull it off. I'm not really a huge, you know, I've never written anything that has been just me on my own, you know? So um, I, I have worked on scripts and stuff, but I'm just kind of really crucial about my writing. So I just kind of push them to the side and start working on other stuff. So I've had yeah. a, you know, Friday 13th fan film that I've been working on for, you know, 12 plus years that has changed from one thing to the next. And I think I have that pretty much laid out, but with everybody doing the, you know, Friday 13th fan films right now, I, I wanted to go in a different direction and do, you know, Maniac Cop. It's one of those underrated films. You know, I love it. It's very near and dear to my heart. So I said, you know, after Halloween and wearing the costume, I was like, holy shit, like this needs to be done. Like this can be done. Like this is, this is going to be badass. So um, the the hardest part would be, you know, the, the filming and uh, because I live in a city, but it's not anything that looks like New York. So yeah, not filming in New York is going to be kind of difficult, but I think I can make it, I can make it happen, you know, and it'll, it'll be kind of, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. Even if it's just a little short 15 minute film, Hey, we got the return of maniac cop. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to saying it so much. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, Brody Kane joining me on episode three of somewhat supernatural. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Be sure to join us on episode four of Somewhat Supernatural, and we will announce the guest host for that one a little bit later on. So thank you once again, guys. Stay spooky. Peace.